This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is sponsored by Podcast Bookers, podcastbookers.com. Podcasts are really hot, right? But you know what's also really hot? Appearing as a guest on one of the many, many podcasts out there. Think about it. Much easier than writing a guest blog post. You get some high-quality content. You get great backlinks. People want to share that content. Maybe you can even transcribe that content. Being a guest on podcasts, getting yourself booked on podcasts is a really, really great SEO tactic, great brand-building tactic. Podcast bookers can get you booked on two to three to four podcasts every single month on autopilot. Go check it out, podcastbookers.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Matt Watson. He's the founder and CEO of Stackify. He has been a developer hacker for over 15 years and he sold his first startup, Vin Solutions, for $150 million. We're going to ask him exactly how he did that. Uh, he started Stackify to solve the biggest challenge he had as a CTO of Vin Solutions. So, Matt, thanks for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. So it's always great to encapsulate somebody's uh, entrepreneurial journey in one paragraph, but uh, tell me a little bit about your story, uh, your entrepreneurial journey, kind of how you got started uh, with your first business, Vin Solutions. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds really good in a paragraph, but we all know it was a lot of pain and suffering for several years, right? Yep. So I... Um, so when I first started Vin Solutions, let's see, at that time I was about 22 years old. I didn't know the first thing about business. Um, I was always very entrepreneurial. Um, I grew up working in flea markets, and um, my family was kind of entrepreneurial, you know, not in the tech side of things or anything, yeah. but, you know, in different ways. And was always working side projects and jobs for people as a developer, and um was doing some side work for a car dealership, and another another gentleman came by that car dealership just asking, hey, do you know any software developers that could help me with this project? And that uh, car dealership basically made the connection, and I was the technical co-founder that somebody else was looking for. Yeah. You know, I, I was kind of that hired gun in, in some senses. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So it wasn't really my idea. Uh, it was somebody else's idea. And then, you know, I, I sat down with this, this guy in Applebee's and said, he explained to me at the time he was basically trying to take photos of cars and upload them to the internet. And this was, you know, you got to remember this was 2003. The iPhone didn't even come out until 2006. You know, people didn't have digital cameras back then. They were a, very much a luxury item. Yeah. It, was, it was a different day and age. And they were pretty um, crappy, too. I had one, and uh, the f photos on it were terrible. <laughs> Absolutely. They've come light years from, from there, that's for sure. Yeah. So basically it started as a simple idea of how do we take photos of cars and the pricing and descriptions of the cars and put it all in one place but then syndicate it. You can imagine the dealers, you know, they advertise on AutoTrader and Cars.com and their website and all these different places and sending that data all those different places and updating it every day is, would be uh, a lot of labor to do manually. So we just we basically kind of automated that. And then the, the business grew over eight years to do a bunch of different things that were related to sales and marketing for car dealerships. So, and, and where was where was the headquarters for Vin Solutions? Uh, it's based in the Kansas City area. Well, that's what I thought. I, I, I don't 
we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but that's uh, I'm standing in Kansas City, Missouri, recording this. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, that's what I thought. In fact, I I, I actually um, spoke at a conference in Las Vegas for Digital Dealer, and uh, oh, I'm sure, wow. sure you guys had a big presence there. Yeah, we would have been there. Yeah. So let's move to Stackify. Um, you, I, I said in the intro, and, and it's funny how many founders of companies start companies because they can't find something or they can't get something solved. Um, you know that that so they just you know solve it by creating a company. Uh, would you would you say it's fair to say that 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 was the genesis of Stackify? Yeah, and I would say that's the biggest strength and weaknesses uh, both of, of an entrepreneur is you know we're we're problem solvers and. Sometimes we try and solve too many problems yeah. and uh, get get ADD. But yeah. um, you know, I'm a software developer at heart. I've been been a developer for over 15 years, and um, you know, Evan Solutions is a we're a very high growth company and had every problem you can imagine from the performance of our applications, bugs in them, new features, and scalability, and just the team, you know, growing very rapidly, sure. and just didn't have the tools we needed to. Uh, troubleshoot application problems, basically, and started Stackify really to combine all those tools together, uh, make them easy to use for developers, and, and make it affordable. And, and that's what we've done. It's it's been six years of that now, almost. Let me let me go back to um, your growth days at Vin Solutions. I, I know one of the things. Uh, I mean, and you guys grew, you know, to fabulous uh, heights. But you know, even that company goes from a million to five million. I mean, at what point did you feel like you kind of outgrew your ability, you and your partners, I guess, in this case, ability to to actually run that company? Well, so that's a good question. And you know, over that eight year eight years of time, the actually some of the partners come and went. We, yeah, yeah. you know, the the guy I originally started the company with was no longer there. We had some new partners come in. And at the end of it, it was really myself and, and another gentleman named Mike, who was the CEO, and I was basically the CTO, and I was in charge of the product. And, you know, he was really good at sales and leadership and kind of ran the, the company from that perspective. And I took care of the product and making it work. And um, luckily, I was able to to grow into it and, and figure it out. And, you know, looking back, I mean, even today, I feel like I'm still learning as a, you know, executive and a manager and, you know, the right ways to run, run a business and do things and, and, and all of those things that just kind of learning on the job. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we, we were lucky, lucky enough to just work through it and make it happen. So would you say with Stackify that you, you know, kind of intentionally said, hey, this is a problem and we're going to solve a problem. Because I think, you know, a lot of people think here's a solution and we're going to build a solution. <laughs> and they forget that there might not actually be anybody that knows they have that problem um, that they solve. And and so a lot, of, I think a lot of companies get it backwards. W would you say that you intentionally built Sacrify, you know, purely to solve an unmet need? I would. So the, the problem we were trying to solve was giving developers access to the data that they needed and so that problem is is still the problem we're we're focused on today but the way that we solve the problem has actually changed over that six years the the initial solution that we built um didn't end up working very well and we you know did a little bit of a pivot around that and you know accomplished the same goal but ended up doing it in a different way basically now would 
what kind of, I mean, obviously if nobody's buying or if people are buying and saying it doesn't work, you know, that kind of, that kind of gives you the feedback you need. But uh, do you have any ways that you intentionally stay close enough to customers to understand that? Well, I think, you know, I think that's one of the things I've learned over time is, you know, one of the, the things I need to do the most of is, is talking to our customers and understanding the problems they're really trying to solve, the pain points they have, what they think about our products. And to my own, you know, uh, growth as, as an executive and a founder, I mean, that's something I've had to learn over years because my natural, um, naturally over, over, you know, in the past as a developer, I'd rather just like hide in a closet somewhere and write right, code, right? <laughs> right? But, but as a founder of a company and a CEO of a company, that's not what I should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, the, and that's actually, I mean, it sounds like you made that transition, but that's actually one of the hardest transitions for, and I think particularly technical folks, uh, to make. I, I remember I was interviewing uh, uh, Guy Kawasaki uh, for this show, and he said that you know, over all the entrepreneurs he's talked to over the years, the biggest challenge they have is is managing people, uh, because most of them don't really want to do that. Um, would you say that that proved true for you? That 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 idea of managing people was a hard skill to uh, to learn. It is a hard skill to learn, and you know I uh, I love our employees dearly, but you know managing employees is 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 hard. I mean, it's definitely it's it's the hardest part. So, yeah. talk a little bit about how you attract clients uh, today, and and whether or not that's kind of evolved. Yeah, so that's that's actually was our hardest problem, and and if I have any feedback from for any other founder, is always you got to understand who your customer is. How you find those people, validating that, how you're going to find all of them and tell them that you exist, right? right. It's your go-to-market strategy. And that, that is not the part that I figured out six years ago when I started. <laughs> it took, it took us three years to figure that out. And, you know, we, we kind of did a lot of soul searching around, you know, how do we, we built this product, but how, nobody knows it exists. How do we get it out to market? And we, Read a book, I don't remember what it was called, but it was about traction channels, and there were like sure. 18 different traction channels. Do you know what book I'm talking about? I think it's actually called Traction. Yeah. And so, you know, for, so for example, I had things in there about like writing a book or speaking at events or going to trade shows or yep. blogging and content marketing and paid advertising, all these different types of, of traction channels. Mm -hmm. And so one of them that was in that book was called Engineering as Marketing, right. and which makes sense to us. Our customers are engineers. And so basically the point of that was to build a tool that our customers could use that they would be searching for this tool or they'd get a lot of value out of this tool, um, but then that would help them learn more about us and, and buy our products. And a good example of this is somebody like HubSpot who has different website grader tools right, and right, stuff right. like that right. um, that pe people may go to their website and use. And that kind of attracts, attracts you to HubSpot, and you don't even know it. Yep. So that, that worked well for us. We, we built a, a product two years ago um, that has been very successful for us. We've had over 20,000 people download that free tool that we built. And uh, the key metric there is if somebody has, has used that free tool, their conversion rate on our paid product is three times higher than those who have not. Yeah. So it was a huge uh huge piece of the puzzle for us and so that part of it was great but we still have the issue of how do we get people to know that our free tool exists and it, it has grown organically very well it has kind of a viral effect at this point yeah. um but the other thing we really did um a year ago was kind of double down on our content marketing so the one of the biggest challenges we have is our customers are software developers software developers don't have telephones 
They don't have. They don't want to talk on the phone. <laughs> they are the first people to complain about any sort of spam and email spam. Yeah. They use ad blockers. They're they're very finicky about all those sorts of things, right? Yeah. Um, so how do you reach them? Um, and for us, there's one thing that is always true. When they have a problem, the first thing they do is they go to Google and they search for it. Yeah. So our whole focus over the last year has been really on content marketing. And when we started this year, we were doing about 40,000 visitors a month to our website. And probably 10,000 of those are from one blog post that we did three years ago mm-hmm. um, that got a lot of traffic. Sure. Yeah. Um but today, that we do over five hundred thousand visitors a month to our website uh, in that in the course of a year. So we've you know grown that more than ten x this yeah, year. That's awesome. So let's talk about getting a business ready to sell. Um, so you sold a business, um, and I'm not sure what the goal is if that's the goal for Stackify. But um, did you get that business ready to sell intentionally, or did it just kind of happen? Uh, because I know a lot of people that's certainly a long term or maybe even a short term goal, but I think there's probably more to it than people realize, isn't there? Well, so our, our original goal was to raise capital. So we we started that company in 2003, and we sold it in 2011, so you can kind of frame up the timing. Yep. In 2008 and 2009, we were really starting to grow. We were really kind of hitting our stride. Um, but that's when the economy yep. went south, right? That's also when GM and Chrysler went bankrupt, and Ford closed a bunch of stores. So we were in the wrong industry in a terrible market, sure. and so we couldn't raise any capital. Um, so we, we fast forward a couple of years. You know, in 2011, um, before we sold the business, we we had a business that was making 30 million dollars a year in revenue, but we had never raised any capital. It had been bootstrapped the whole way, and so we. We're still wanting to raise some capital, partly to infuse some more cash in the business because we knew the business was going to continue to grow yeah. at a very fast pace. And we, our, our problem was we'd, we'd hire a support person today, but they wouldn't be useful for three months or six months from now. But we couldn't afford to hire a salesperson six months ago, right? Like yeah. we, we could never get ahead of, of the expenses. Um, so we were really trying to raise some capital um, and take some of the chips off the table. You know, some of the, the, the key shareholders could take a little money off the table. Um, but ultimately we ended up selling it for about twice what we thought it was worth <laughs> and it just, it, it became hard to say no. Yeah. Were, were there, um, I guess, I, I guess the, the one question I had is, were there things that you did intentionally that made the business attractive or made the, made it easier to have a transaction or, or had you really run your business that way? And, and partly what I'm getting at is a lot of people want to sell their business, but it's actually very difficult for somebody to even evaluate it. Yeah, so we we worked with a firm that was out in San Francisco that represented us, and so they kind of ran a big process for us when we were trying to raise capital um, to to do that round. So we were kind of very prepared, and we had the craziest forecasting spreadsheets I've ever seen in my life with like pivot tables within pivot tables, and then another headache, and then another pivot table, however they do that. And um, so I'd say we were really prepared, had all that stuff together, and we had a great story, we had great growth, and... Again, it just ended up being, you know, ended up being worth twice what we thought it was worth. Yeah, that's awesome. So, did you learn some things then after getting out of that? I'm sure you're like, okay, I'm going to start another business, but this time it's going to be different. Um, and maybe you didn't say that, <laughs> but uh, do, do you feel like there's some things that you learned in your first go around that you've been able to bring into Stackify maybe earlier? Well, 
you know, I always say I, I learned mostly how not to do things, right? right? Well, that's and a few of those off the list, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, this was definitely been different as being the CEO of a company and being the founder. Like, yeah. I was the sole founder. I decided I was going to do this on my own, and so that was a little bit of a leap of faith as well. Yeah. Um, and I would say things are just so different from one business to another. Our, the type of product, our our go-to-market strategy, you know, how we sell it, yeah, everything is radically different. Yeah. And um, I think I think what, you know, bring forward more than anything is just understanding that um, it, it's a journey and, and things are going to change and move. And, and no matter what you plan, it, it almost doesn't matter what you plan because the plans always change. Um, and, and just understanding that part of it and, and understanding being through a startup and the the hustle that it takes. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's the number one thing that I learned. I always love to ask this uh, question to entrepreneurs. What's the best thing that about what you get to do every day? Oh, I, I love talking to customers and solving their problems and getting their feedback. I mean, I, I talked to one of our customers yesterday and uh, it was just, you know, great to get that feedback from him. And he had actually worked at one of our competitors in the past and was just a huge fan of ours. And, like, it was just so cool to, you know, talk to me like that. But then also the fact that he had worked at one of our competitors before. So it's just, you know, that kind of feedback, I think, always kind of makes your day. So um, who is kind of, who, who does make an ideal client for Stackify? Um, so most of our customers are other software they're, they're other software development teams. They range across all industries, all geographies. We we have customers in over fifty countries, and from little bitty software companies to a cruise line to an airline to companies like uh, Carbonite who does online backup to uh, a magazine, like you name it, we've we've got it. And it's really just anybody that that has a development team. Yeah, and and so I guess I always love to ask this too. Then, so so what problem are you solving for them? Yeah, so the. The key problem that developers have is they're trying to ship their code as fast as possible. There, there, a lot of companies these days do releases every week. Some do them every day. And the only way they can do that with any confidence is to have a tool like ours that can help them find problems uh, with their software before they release it, uh, during the release, or shortly after the release. So we're really their kind of eyes and ears to make sure that that release cycle goes really well. And if there's any kind of problem, we can give them all the data that they need to find it immediately. Yeah, and it's and it's not always just a code problem. It's it's a device problem or different types of devices, right? I mean, you've got mobile devices and Apples and PCs. And so, I mean, a lot of the testing has to be, uh, it has to work on all those, right? Yeah, and, and, you know, everything these a lot of things these days all run in the cloud. And, and even though they run in the cloud, that provides a ton of benefits. You know, things like Microsoft Azure and AWS have problems too. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it, it it's it's always a, a bumpy thing, and there, there's always problems. It's just the nature of technology. Yeah. So, Matt, if people want to find out more about you and uh, Stackify, where would you send them? Um, at stackify.com, which is S-T-A-C-K-I-F-Y.com. Um, and you can check out our product, and feel free to look me up and shoot me a message if you have any questions. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, and uh, hopefully I'll see you out there on the road. All right. Thank you. Thank you.